freedom of, of everything kings. as long as it's you know yeah what what's going on oh he was yelling just, at I'm, me for... I'm annoyed at Nick because Nick always refers to the Dubai title instead of the actual title just call it Shazam and you're like let's call it Fury of the Kings because everyone knows what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> jeez okay well uh Rufio. Jammer managed to earlier be in great frame and then keeps moving. The the funny part is is just how much how much your your face like here dips you go. below. Here you go. Like here that, you go. No, 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 no. Here you go, you little sappy bitch. I'm you here. Always, you always I'm just look up. like like the chin up whenever you <laughs> It is what it is. I give up on trying to crop it. Uh yeah, you you guys you guys ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Breaking Geek Radio, the pro- 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 podcast, the flagship international and premier podcast of LRMOnline.com and the Genreverse Podcast Network. I am Joseph J. Medina, joined, as always, by my brother in crime, Nicholas Dahl. Hello! And I know Nick, unfortunately, uh, came a little bit, came down with... Uh, some some ailments this week. Who knows week. what? Yeah, it sounds like yeah, you know, throwing up all over parking lots, projectile vomiting all over priests. It's the usual exorcism situation uh, with you. So, uh, I apologize to to Father Tom for that. But even more, I apologize to you, audience, because Nick was unable to watch Shazam: Fury of the Gods and give you an opinion. But luckily, I stuck to the plan, and I saw me some Shazam. That was an unintentional rhyme, but that's okay. I love it. Uh, I'm here to talk about it. Um, and of course, from there, we'll segue into a few key news, story, key news stories. Uh, we're talking about more of the DCU, specifically with James Gunn. Talk a little bit about Ben Affleck and some of his interesting goings on, specifically having to do with his non-desire to revisit the DC universe in the future as director. And then finally, we'll round things out with uh, maybe this past couple generations most influential filmmaker of all time finally potentially getting his last movie up and running but let's hop into the review of shazam fury of the gods but before i jump into my opinion i know this isn't a movie that nick was really looking forward to seeing so i'm just curious nick what what did you what were your thoughts on shazam the first one it was okay like I need more than that. Nick. I didn't you gotta, dislike. You can't just I mean, say, no, no. This isn't a podcast where you just say it was good. That it was, was bad. me give, give, leading give, 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 into something. something. <laughs> it was a movie I didn't want to see. I saw it for the podcast. It like checked the boxes as far as a superhero movie. I didn't feel like it was a waste of time. I didn't dislike it, but I was just like, this is kind of a middling superhero movie but again at the time it was one of dce's better films even i just be being middling so but when i saw the trailer for this one i was like what happened to the post credit scene from the last movie where they teased a cool villain when we're just getting these what looks like the same oh, villains we'll talk, as the first we'll talk movie. about that oh boy we'll talk about because yeah the villains just look the same where it's like oh okay it's other people with shazamish powers but. Well, literally, which we'll we'll dive into it in a second. Yes. So, with regards to my personal thoughts, I really love Shazam. It was a little bit long, and there are a couple parts that are, I think maybe the villain could have been more sympathetic, but they kind of went all in on the evil aspect, and I didn't appreciate that too much. Um, and I think that made it less interesting. But overall, I think it was it actually. I don't feel like it checked much of a box i don't think you get very many superhero movies like it these days where it's kind of a it's mostly a kids movie but kind of like an 80s or 90s kids movies where it has that little edge to it that you don't expect you know they're dropping you know they're saying shit they you know they're 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 sounding like middle schoolers for lack of a better term better term they're like actually sounding and speaking the way middle school or high schoolers sound in terms of their speech like it's it, along with sort of the kid friendly type aspect to it so it was a nice like the Goonies aspect the Steven Spielberg type of feel to it that I really like um so I think that's what I felt that first movie brought to the table it, it brought a surprising amount of heart with Billy Batson's story surrounding his mom who spoiler alert 
actively abandoned him. Didn't lose him, actively abandoned him. And We're talking him about the first movie, if you haven't noticed it, folks. Yeah, I am. No, I know. Um, in case there, you said spoiler alert for an old movie. I was just making sure oh, yeah, they didn't think we were movie. getting into spoilers. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, actively abandon him. So I think it, it has that mix of it's very kid friendly, but at the same time, it has that little bit of an edge to it that I think makes it appealing to a wider audience. So I, I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. And that's kind of what I wanted to get out of Shazam Fury of the Gods. And to be frank, I was with you. I saw the trailers and I thought. This doesn't look as good. It looks more cartoony and goofy than the first one. So I wasn't as as excited for it. So let's segue into my Twitter review. Is that while it is a touch goofier than the first one, I think it still retains a lot of the feel and charm of that first one. In spite of not being quite as focused and strong. But if you liked the first one, you'll probably like a lot of what you're getting in this one. So I think I would give it a solid B. I was debating between this and a B minus, um, but I think a solid B is ultimately where I ended up at. Um, there was a lot of great action set pieces. Um, it was a lot of fun character stuff. And I think the the lack of focus comes from the fact that it was more focused on the wide cast of characters than it was specifically on Billy. I like what they had to offer with the characters. I just feel like I wanted a little bit more time with each one, but then you would have had a ridiculously long movie. So I get it was a difficult thing they had to juggle. It was still a good movie. I think it was still worth seeing if you're able to. I don't know if it's worth seeing in theaters, sadly enough, but it's still definitely worth checking out. Um, any questions before we jump into spoilers? No, I'm going to have questions during spoilers. So. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about spoilers spoilers for shazam fury of the gods and admittedly i feel like the most of the spoilers we're going to be talking about aren't specifically to do with the plot of this movie as it is to do with the post credit scene so nick hinted at this in the first one where they had this caterpillar thing who i don't know who that is do you know who that is the caterpillar i thing? read an article about it yesterday but i can't remember his name so this caterpillar that was like visiting um savannah dr savannah's cell the first post credit scene we get, or the Mr. second, Mind. Mr. Mind, Mr. Mind, um, Mr. Mind. Oh, that's the name of the caterpillar. Yeah, 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 yeah. got it. Um, so after the first credit scene, which we'll talk about in a second, we revisited the second one. We went in the second post credit scene. We go back to the cell with Doctor Savannah, and the caterpillar revisits. And Doctor Savannah is like, "What's going on?" I, you've been gone for two years and the Mr. Mind is like, hey, I'm a fucking caterpillar. Like, I it takes me a long time to do anything. But, you know, don't worry. My plan is still coming into action or whatever. And he's like, well, how long does it take? He's like, I need to do one more thing. And then he crawls out and Dr. Savannah's like, wait, 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 what? And then it ends. So who knows what that's a tease for or if it's just a troll. I kind of appreciated how ridiculous and silly it was. And if it ends up being a whole thing where it leads to nothing, I kind of appreciate that just because of... <laughs> how they portrayed it um so who knows and i will say this was very confusing in terms of dcu connections because i went into it thinking well clearly this probably won't go into the dc universe so they'll probably they should take things out that hint at any future connections but then they had that and then the they cameo. had a scene with a can no, no, not a cameo. They had a scene. Stop trying to complete my sentences, Nick. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they they had a scene with uh, Harcourt and what's that guy's name? A cinema, Farinema, the the bigger guy from Economa. It has sounds like economy is all I remember. So yeah, Economa, like, Econom, Economist. Uh, it's yeah, it's more complicated than that. But we well, they're walking through the forest and they're talking uh, about recruiting Shazam, and then they come across Shazam in the forest, and they're like, hey. Do you want to join the justice? He's like, yes, I do. And then they're like, oh, okay, great. Well, welcome to the Justice Society. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Is that different from the Justice League? And she's like, yes, because that's how words work. Um, it's a different thing. And economist. then he kind of he he kind of economists. And then he decides, uh, it sounds like he's like, ah, no, I'm good. And they kind of walk off afterwards. But I'm like, what does this mean? Is Economist going through and just gathering people, like routing them up to survive the DCU reboot? Like, I don't understand what's happening with these post credit scenes or if they're just leaving them in and saying, ha, whatever, just go through with it. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. What do you think based on hearing this? 
I just, I don't know. I read an article in the afternoon yesterday before I went where it was like, basically it was mostly an opinion piece where it's like, why should you even see these movies? And the person had seen Shazam who wrote it. No, but that was the, the, the point was you should see them. The person decided it was just a misleading title because they're like, well, just take it as a movie, which Shazam is like Shazam can stand alone. Just take it as a good superhero movie. Uh, but at the same time, it, it mentioned what you're talking about. Where it's like it's very confusing whether anything in this movie is leading anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. And um, I will say, I, I do say, I resent that idea where it's just like, should I? I shouldn't even watch these movies because it doesn't matter. I'm like, bitch, back in the '90s, we used to watch movies, and it's okay that I didn't lead to something else. We're allowed to enjoy a movie for being a movie. Hell, and we watch movies both- that set up sequels that. <laughs> didn't go anywhere like super mario Brothers. i mean we still do we still do that yeah <laughs> we still do that um but i think it's okay to watch a movie and appreciate it for what it is rather than how it connects to anything and i think both shazam and shazam 2 do a good job of relatively standing alone yeah and it's just but, still um, confusing i think if it grows enough money if it does grow stuff money they would bring not. shazam back but yeah i know that's why i said it in the past tense even though it hasn't really come out yet um well it has come out but you know what i mean not friday night yet but yeah it's just like yeah it seems like that because even the article was like yeah and we know peacemaker and you know amanda waller's team are continuing into which know, is why it feels like the, so if it wasn't for the fact that black adam was so publicly canceled it would just feel like hardcore and economists are going around and just like saving people they're basically like gathering an arc to you know survive the flood of the reboot of the dc universe and bringing all of those people into the new DCU. So I don't know. Who knows? It's interesting that they kept it in, though. And they said Justice uh, Society? Because I would Justice love to Society. see Hawkman survive the the purge. I would love to see Hawkman, too. He was great in that movie. Yeah. I, was, I really liked I enjoyed Like, Black Adam wasn't amazing, but I actually, I saw I it. I love the Justice Society how, in it. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised at how fun it was. I was like, oh, I'm having a good time watching this movie. I don't mind it. Um. I think Black Adam was probably the weakest part of it. Yes, but the whole world they should have been called Justice Society. <laughs> but um, I, I have a question then, um, because it was spoiled in a gosh darn, I'll just say, it, goddamn uh, TV spot, not even TV spot, YouTube spot that I couldn't skip to watch while I was trying to watch on YouTube. <laughs> that Wonder Woman is in this film. <laughs> That's cruel. Yes, she is. I was so I was like when I was. When I was going to go, I was like, they spoiled probably the part of the movie I would have enjoyed or been surprised by the most. How does she? Is it more than a cameo? Is she like show up after the fight? Because it looks like there's it's a some, cameo. Okay, it's, it looks like she could even be it's fighting like, with it's him like, based on the teaser. She was not fighting with him. Okay, no. it was a uh, probably about three to five minute scene. Like it was, it was a substantial cameo, but it was like it was a cameo. And it was funny because they they definitely played off this whole thing. So there are a couple different scenes where Wonder Woman is shown in like a dream sequence and they cut her off there, you know, kind of like. Oh, like the first movie. Yeah. And they they leaned in hard into her appearance in this one because when they showed her, they like they did like a whip pan and they zoomed in and they still cut her off the neck. And then it was that's pretty funny. And then boom to her face. And then the music went like unnecessarily (laughs) like loud and boisterous. Like obnoxiously, so like clearly it was like a huge joke. That is the and, worst um, superhero theme in existence. I disagree. Her I love it. Music is it's better than her. Oh! It is. It is. It is an affront in Justice to League. It's better than that auditory one. You're wrong. Senses. <laughs> How does it feel to be so wrong, Kyle? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't know. oh, touche, touche. Um, but I love that theme. I love it way more than her Justice League theme which is just like the ah, and they repeat it way too much whale noises but <laughs> I was hoping to get you. okay and that makes it even more I don't know I felt like that would make it even more confusing and obviously the marketing turned to that because they're like shit we have a flop on our well, hands it, it, what can we do let's show a does, Justice League member so it does make sense in the context of the story in some ways so essentially you have it's called Fury of the Gods because literally the gods whose yeah. powers were taken, they're basically getting revenge against Shazam for taking the abilities and they're trying to reclaim them and then take over the world, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then something to do with, 
at the very end, the staff that wielded their power, because basically all the gods are now gone. There's no more power there. The old and then gods. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman showed up as like, not all gods are dead. And then she showed up and that music part happened. And then she was able to restore power to the staff. Okay. No, I'm not saying it didn't make sense. I was showing that that in the TV spot was obviously a desperate, like. No, it was. And, and I feel bad. It didn't work. I feel like they should have leaned harder into that in retrospect, just because. Uh, I mean, I hate anecdotal evidence because this is pure anecdotal evidence. I might be completely wrong, but man, uh, I, I, this was the emptiest theater I've been in in a while. Um, Cocaine Bear had a more crowded theater than this. Not that Cocaine Bear did bad, but Cocaine Bear isn't a DC movie. So, and what did Cocaine Bear do? Once again, I can't, I know, to be clear, I understand it, it is a fool's errand to try to compare anecdotal evidence to, you know, and, and say that is a, a viable sample size. Well, but I'm just just for just interested here. I want to build on that argument. We both go to the same movie theater to see our movies. I miss Cocaine Bear, even though I very much wanted to see it. But I saw Ant-Man, um, Creed 3 and Scream 6 in there. And those were all packed. Like nearly sold out showings for those three. Because people do like to go to the theater in our area. I like how I went to Box Office Mojo and I definitely searched Shazam instead of Cocaine Bear. Shazam! I will say, I really miss... you looking I for just Cocaine Bears I hate. I'm hating... Yeah. It was $23 million. Damn. That's mm. bigger than I thought, and that's definitely big good. enough for the... You know, the budget of Cocaine Bear. But yeah, the, the oh, yeah, well for Shazam. $60 million dollars worldwide. Yeah, I'm sure that was totally fine for Cocaine Bear, but Shazam, is, that's not, those aren't DC numbers. Um, those aren't DC numbers, not by a long shot. Well, if you're looking at Justice League, maybe they are. No, I'm kidding. The theatrical cut, <laughs> I mean. Uh, if only. Um, and I'm actually going to see if they, we have an idea of what the Shazam 2 budget, because I know the first one was, ooh, it's not an unsubstantial budget. It's $125 million. Ooh. So, I mean, it's relatively cheap for a superhero movie, but it's still it still should probably make 300 plus million in order to break even. Um, and that's, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. I hope it makes more because I think it's certainly, I think it's a solid movie. I really like David S. Sandberg, the director. I like the storytelling. I like the characters. I will say I, one thing I, I thought was not as strong because they were spread so thin. I think the person who got the short end of the stick was Billy Batson you don't see a lot of Billy Batson in this. You see more Shazam than Billy Batson. And I like Zachary Levi, but I still am of the opinion he's playing a completely different character and a less nuanced character than Billy Batson. And that was disappointing <laughs> that we got less of him. Um, so, yeah. I was going to say something, but I forgot. Okay. It wasn't. Uh, any funny. questions that you have for me about shazam anything any thoughts or things you, you want to know about before we close out because i mean like overall i liked it a lot i think like i said the weaknesses were how stretched thin it was between the different characters i could have it, it could have been longer and they could have focused in a little bit more but it would have been too long so i i totally get where they're coming from and why they did what they did um it was just they had a lot of characters but it had the that same was my worry fun to it just they made everyone superheroes in the first movie i was like okay that's gonna be the point next time if the whole family is superheroes, but well, hey, I at mean, least you get Adam Brody good. in it's, it. <laughs> like I said, it's good. It's just I feel like you don't get enough time with all of them. Like there's no it's not bad. It's not like, oh, what's the point? It's terrible. It's just, oh, I wish I had more time with this character. I wish I had yeah. more time with this character. It's it, almost in a good way. Okay. Because I like all the characters. I don't really have any other questions, just uh I don't think Shazam's gonna be in DCU, like I said earlier. <laughs> Based on nah. the performance. Unless they start to use him in a Hulk fashion where he just cameos in other things. But no one likes not him enough to, to have him. him pop up. Like Hulk's I one like of Marvel's him. best care like, like most him. popular characters. I know, but it's not like ooh, point. he's gonna add to this movie. It's like, oh, let's he do could it just add to, to it, have though. Him. The thing is he legitimately could add to it. We'll see. I'm not saying he's going we to we will. <laughs> that's not that's not a we'll see question, Nick. That's not that's basically that's just an we'll opinion. See. We'll see. Okay. Any future thoughts or any future, any other <laughs> thoughts regarding this? 
there could be future thoughts, but no, I'm good. There could be future thoughts. We'll see if you when you eventually see this. So I feel bad. Like I don't. This is a fun movie. You can wait till HBO Max. It's it's great. I will. But wait, it's great. But wait, there you go, Kyle. Title Shazam two. It's great. But wait, that's a terrible title. Don't go with that. <laughs> uh, let's jump ahead into the future of the DC universe. I'm talking about the James Gunn verse. It's not called that. Um, as we all know, he is the current co-CEO or co-head of DC Studios, which officially is set to get kicked off in full force in the year of our Lord 2025 with the film Superman Legacy. We've known for a while that he is writing it and he's been writing it since before he actually became co-head of DC Studios. And we're all just kind of waiting And it was pretty much assumed that there's a high likelihood that he'll probably be directing the film, but it wasn't confirmed Um, because, I mean, who knows the different factors? Maybe he was thinking like, "Ah, I just want to go ahead and see what happens or what exactly. I don't know what the holdup was, but the point is holdupness was happening. um, And it wasn't until a tweet posted by James earlier this week that we got that full confirmation. So I'm pulling that up right now. He says, yes, I am directing Superman Legacy to be released on July 11th, 2025. My brother Matt told me when he saw the release date, he started to cry. I asked why. He said, dude, it's dad birth. It's dad's birthday. I hadn't realized. And then he goes on in a long series of tweets talking about his dad. Um, anyways, three he years continues ago. to say... It has been a long road to this point. I was offered Superman years ago. I initially said no because I didn't have a way in that felt unique and fun and emotional that gave Superman the dignity he deserved. If you recall, this is back when he was offered, hey, James Gunn, I know those mm. Disney folks, they 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 really did you dirty, so we'll do you good here. Do whatever you want here at DC. You could do Superman. He's like, no, nah, I'll have the Suicide Squad. Anyways, he says, then a, less, a bit less than a year ago, I saw a way in in many ways, centering around Superman's heritage, how both his aristocratic Kryptonian parents and his Kansas farmer parents inform who he is and the choices he makes. So I chose to finally take on the writing script, but I was hesitant to direct, despite the constant pestering by Peter Safran and others to commit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Peter. Just because I write something doesn't mean I feel it in my bones, visually and emotionally, <laughs> enough to spend over two years directing it, especially not something of this magnitude. But the long and short of it is, I love this script, and I'm incredibly excited as we begin this journey. Hashtag up, up, and away. Mm. So, it's official. It's happening. What do you think, Nick? Are you happy? Does this surprise you, first of all, and are you happy? doesn't surprise me. I'm not convinced he can do it. But I don't want to comment on the magnitude thing for a second. There's no way the Superman movie grosses as much as Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, yes, it's a more important character. I'm even talking the new one. New one's going to be Marvel's breakout where it's like people who haven't been to the theater since Endgame. Like most people I know are going to come out and see Guardians because it's a legacy franchise. I don't know, man. Superman's a pretty big character. Yeah, but that's why he's saying as far as magnitude and it could be big, but he's saying, yeah, like this is a very important character, whereas the Guardians and the Suicide Squad are aside from the first Suicide Squad movie are very comic specific and most people have never heard of them but i'm not sure did he do, he did he did he direct brightburn or just uh no he did not direct he brightburn. produced it because he's only done horror and extreme comedy like i just don't yes a director Wait. can evolve but he, he's done nothing that i've seen that would Convince me he's not, and this is what all the fans have been worried about forever. I'm not as worried that someone can evolve, but he hasn't done anything that feels Superman y. Like, what does Superman feel like to you? Uh, not full of dick jokes or horrifying. It doesn't scenes. have to be. Well, mm-hmm. It's possible not to just have dick jokes. People like to pigeonhole think, oh, he's only said the word dick, so that means that he can only say the word dick moving no, forward. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think he can evolve, but a lot of fans are cons- like, where they're like, don't let him well, touch you, this you franchise. Think he can or evolve. This I think he's, he's, here's a thing. Yes, Superman shouldn't be funny, funny. Hold on. Oh my God, Nick, let me finish. I think 
people like look at the surface level of his stories and say, oh, he makes, you know, goofy jokes. And they don't realize that his movies have really solid undercarriage to them. They have the backbone like of an amazing story, not just heart, but like literally it's it's built on, you know, character arcs and motivations and this and that. That's what matters. All the surface stuff is just surface stuff. And I think enough people just don't understand that. Like he understands story. He he got me to care about Peacemaker. Now I was gonna say like, Peacemaker is a good example. Seriously, Peacemaker is an amazing example. Like I remember being like, I do not care about Peacemaker, and I was hooked within the first. I mean, that opening scene was funny, but the scene that really drew me in was watching Peacemaker walk, uh, you know, break into his own mobile home. And just kind of sitting there depressed, like you realize it's all about a broken man who aggrandizes himself, but there's a deep layer of insecurity there. And it all comes back to what these motivations are. It all comes back to what makes a person tick. And the other stuff can be rearranged. And he, yes, he may be inclined to go a specific direction with his style, but he also has a deep respect and understanding for what these characters need to be in order to attract that's fans. So I think people shouldn't underestimate that. Okay. Fair enough. I just, yeah, he can definitely handle it. I, I don't know how you can make me care about Superman again, but we'll see what the trailer looks like. And obviously again, I'll when see, did you I'll care see about the Superman? start to the DCU man of steel was good. Otherwise, like I never about? have cared about man, Superman. Plus, who... Because I'm with you. I was going to say, who would have ever thought uh, a couple of uh, brothers doing TV shows would deliver uh, the Winter Soldier and then go on to deliver uh, Infinity War and, oh, and Endgame? Still the best so. Marvel movie to date. There, Endgame is to so be fair, good. Their fir- I just watched it yesterday again. To be fair, their first okay. movie was You Mean Dupree, which is very much like... Winter Soldier. I'm joking. <laughs> I was proving Kyle's point further. Um. Yeah. It's so there's and, and there's room in Hollywood for everyone to evolve. I think. Yeah. He knows. He. I don't know if like I can't say for sure. Like, oh yeah, he's 100 percent confident. But I think people shortchanging him and say, oh, he can't do this because we haven't seen him do something like that before. Is but I, I agree with you as far as Man of Steel. I don't like Superman as a character very much. Is a flaw of mine. I just people go like, oh, he's inspirational. And then I'm like, I don't watch, I don't read or watch things go like, oh, I want to aspire to that. I don't watch things for that. I watch things that have interesting conflict. And to me, Superman has interesting conflict inherently because he is an alien, he is overpowered, and people are super untrustworthy or untrusting and wouldn't they wouldn't want to cooperate with someone like him. And to be fair, somebody who grew up in Kansas, super strong, probably as a jock would be an asshole. Like, I'm sorry. He would be an asshole. He would be Homelander. Like this is, it's, <laughs> it's just really people. I don't know. I look at Superman and I see like his, his standard interpretation is boring and unrealistic. And I don't like aspirational media. The the views um, of breaking geek radio, the podcast on Kansas are not the views of the entire, <laughs> entire channel. Just, just want to, my throw, point throw is a there. small <laughs> town <laughs> guy. AVR squared. We big we, buff, we like you <laughs> big buff, small town America and being the strongest, best looking, most athletic guy in small town America is not conducive to somebody who Damn, cares man, for you, mankind. You sound, you sound, you sound jealous as fuck, man. Oh, I am jealous as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, well my see. point is, unless like it, it just, it just doesn't seem realistic to me. But I'm open to the idea that maybe, you know, something could be done. You know, I also love Ted Lasso, right? Which is the exact opposite, which is, you know, very much has faith in humanity. So clearly, if it's done right, I can be swayed one way or another. And I do like stories that also don't necessarily revolve around the flaw of a main character, but revolve around their ability to change people around them. Again, Ted Lasso, Wally is another example of that. Wally doesn't change, Wally changes everyone around him. Those types mm-hmm. of stories can be pretty cool. And uh, maybe this could be something like that. Yes, there could be internal conflict, but it could still be about the transformative nature of so that would a be superior human being. The perfect like review for you was like uh, someone 
screen rant or whatever is like it's wally meets ted lasso <laughs> yes that's it wally meets ted lasso oh, i look forward to that <laughs> breaking geek radio of the podcast so it's our goal <laughs> to get that into the the superman legacy blurbs back in 2025 we're shooting for the stars gents okay any last thoughts about this before we move on because i think we spent too much time on yeah it. We spent too much, yeah we're good i'm good so while James Gunn will be, you know, directing a future DCU movie, do you know who will not be directing a future DCU movie? That would be yes. none other than Benjamin Affleck. Sir Benjamin, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, despite what was said in the past by James Gunn, I think he mentioned something along the lines of, oh, yeah, Ben is interested in directing and we would love to have him direct. It's just a matter of the right project. I don't think he said I don't think he said that uh, Ben was interested. I think he said that he was, he uh, and I'll look it up. I think he said that they were talking to him, but I don't think he, he said... says we're talking. Ben would like to direct and oh, okay. we would love him there to direct, but it's just the right. You could look it up. Look it up. Don't mind if you don't mind looking it up because I'm pretty confident that's what it was. And we'll circle back to that once we dig into that. Um, but yeah, he talked very much in depth about how much it just wasn't for him, specifically working in a big budget movie. Um, so he talked about the fact that those stories beca uh, became somewhat repetitive to me and less interesting. Yeah, I did finally figure out how to play the character of Batman and I nailed it in the flash for the five minutes I'm in there. I love it's that great. he said that part. He's right? finally nailed it. <laughs> A lot of it's just tone. You got to figure out what version of the person. Da, 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 da. Um, and then he talked about, let's see here. Justice League, you could teach a seminar on all the reasons why this is not how to do it, ranging from production to bad decisions to horrible personal tragedy and just ending with the most monstrous taste in my mouth. The genius and silver lining is that Zack Snyder eventually went to at and and said, look, I can get you four hours of content. And it's principally just all the slow motion that he shot in black and white. And one day of shooting with me and him, he was like, hey, do you want to shoot in my backyard? I was like, I think there are unions, Zack. I think we have to make a deal. But I went and did it now. I did it. And now Zack Snyder's Justice League is my highest rated movie on IMDb. Oh, I just thought that was really funny. He's like, I think they're like the AT&T part. He didn't even say Warner Brothers. He was like, now he met with Warner Brothers owners. Oh, I didn't even think about the fact that he went over their head. That's that's interesting. So circling back, this is the, the exact tweet that James Gunn said. Met with Ben yesterday and precisely be precisely because he wants to direct and we want him to direct. We just have to find the right project. So, yeah. Um, anyway, he went on to say, but I was going to direct a Batman and Justice League made me go, I'm out. I don't ever want to do any of this ever again. I'm not suited. That was the worst experience I've ever seen in a business, which is full of some shitty experiences. It broke my heart. There was an idea of someone, Joss Whedon, coming in like, I'll rescue you and we'll do 60 days of shooting and I'll write a whole thing around what you have. I've got the secret. And it wasn't the secret. That was hard. And I started to drink too much. I was back at the hotel in London. It was either that or jump out the window. And I thought, this isn't Jesus. life. This isn't the life I want. My kids aren't here. I'm miserable. You want to go to work and find something interesting to hang on to rather than just wearing a rubber suit. And most of it, you're just standing against a computer screen going, hey, this nuclear waste gets loose. Well, and that's fine. I don't condescend <laughs> to put it down, but I just got to the point where I found it creatively not satisfying. Also, just you're sweaty and exhausted. And I thought, I don't want to participate in this in any way. And I don't want to squander any more of my life, which I have a limited amount of. So, Nick, are you disappointed that he won't be directing anything in the DC universe? No. And please, people, after hearing that, stop saying make the Batfleck movie. Because he, again, he is the one not interested, not Warner Brothers. Yeah, and um, I think it's interesting. He's and he came up in the indie scene, and when he was at his peak, he was yeah. doing mid-budget movies. Let's be real, right? That was back in the area when mid-budget movies were making money, and it wasn't until you know late twenty thousand two twenty thousands, late two thousands, where the big, <laughs> big, big budget thing became normal. I guess he did Armageddon, so I'm kind of full of shit. But you know, there were other big movies. Is my point, and they were big in a different way. And I think he. He very much latches to more of the character, the, the mid-budget character dramas. And it sounds like his new production company with Matt Damon is going to be producing a lot of those. I mean, Air, 
is a great looks example. Looks great. It doesn't need it to be a fantastic. superhero movie. Right. Character dramas is stuff that he's interested in. Stuff we don't get enough of, frankly. And I'm, I'm excited to see more of it. So, Nick, I'll let you finish. I apologize. Well, I was just, the second thing is that the way people are sharing this article on Twitter is like, he doesn't want to work for James Gunn. And it's like, no, he didn't want to work for the old guard or be part of the Snyderverse either, as far as a director. Like, he, well, he say, wanted to. At now first, I don't want to direct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he said a while ago he wasn't going to direct anything and like years and years ago at this point. So it's not like now that uh, James Gunn's in charge, he's like, no, I don't want to direct anything for them. He hasn't wanted to direct anything for DC in a while. <laughs> So that's okay. One thing I thought was really okay. So you have anything else to live by? No, to live by. Sorry, I was thinking of live by night. I was watching live by night. So I got. (laughs) I couldn't finish that one. I only watched it at the movie, like as a like screening it in the morning, but I didn't finish it. I just want to share something that was really funny. He had a funny interview. I just love the way he talks. Um, He talks about having an octortal, uh, game with a bunch of other celebrities. And like to play what? And he says, Octortal. It's just Wordle with more words. Don't be impressed. It's not harder. <laughs> I, just it, I don't know. It was just really funny. Anyways, apparently he plays with Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, and Bradley Cooper. Uh, and actually, the first rule of Wordle is not to talk about Wordle unless you get in three guesses. Um, let's see here. I like his friends. I used to do crossword. I used to do crossword compulsively in the mornings. And I think I just got good at word games. Let's face it. Going up against actors, it's not a high bar. I expected to do fairly well, so I was seriously humbled. You have to do the Wordle and the Quirtle and the Octortle and add up your score, and then whoever gets the lowest score wins for the day. It's fiercely competitive, and there's a lot of mockery and derision. So I'm in training. So It's like they all have like a few hours of their, like, if they're working on a film, they all have a few hours carved out for all four of those gentlemen. For their competition in the morning. It's like their coffee break is like four-hour competition. It's when they're getting their makeup put on there. Just go ahead and play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to add about Senor Affleck and his lack of DC-ness going forward? I'm, like I said, I'm absolutely fine with him and continuing to direct the type of movies he's directed in the past, except for Live yeah. By Night. <laughs> I never saw that. Did you see it? I saw like 30 minutes of it. Was it boring it was or what was wrong with it? It was I don't know. I just didn't get into it. It wasn't, I didn't turn it off. I was screening it before work at the movie theater and I decided to never pick it up again. Okay. So I've enjoyed the rest of the movies he's directed. Yeah, me too. Like great stuff. Um, And I'm excited for air, even though Nike is terrible. But oh, that's Jason Bateman's in it, but that's a positive. Is he in the, He's in it, isn't he? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of great people. I just got to get Bradley I mean, Cooper in there, and it's this whole group that could have done it on set together, the corridor. I mean, the movie looks great. You know, if we have a lot of really great movies about real people that are that are horrible human beings, like The Founder, which is about the, well, I guess he wasn't technically it's a the great founder, movie, the McDonald's guy. No, um, but that's, it's, it's a great movie. That. Yeah. Keats, Michael Keats. All right. Speaking of great movies, one of uh, the premier filmmakers. I th- I'd say Quentin Tarantino is the same to filmmaking as we are to the podcasting world in terms of the quality <laughs> of the output that he puts out. And, you know, he's influenced so many others within the industry over the past three decades or so. We um, also starting... keep promising a final episode, but we never do it. I'm, I'm joking. Do <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Podcasting is a young man's game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyways, Tarantino has been saying for years, since around 2012, so about a decade at this point, that directing is a young man's game, and I'm going to get out. Either you know, I start it when I'm by, by the time I'm 60, or I do my 10th film, whichever comes first. Well, he's a liar, because he's turning 60 in a few days, in a handful oh, of days man. or so, and he's not starting production until later this fall. So joke's on you, Tarantino. You can't keep a promise. But anyways, his final movie <laughs> is set to be uh, starting up, and this comes to us. With, uh, <laughs> like over Kyle's at... right, final with quotation marks. I it's think like, he's done. This is like a fast franchise or something. I actually have to eat my words on this one because I said after um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think he's done. I don't yeah, think he's doing it again. This is a this is a good movie that he after reading go his out book. On. You said that. Yeah, after reading his book, um, you're like he's only interested in books now, Nick. I don't, yeah, I think it was that one. You're like Nick. He's only interested in books now. It was said on the podcast. Yeah, which is funny though because I'll I'll tie it back in in a second. 
Cool. But anyways, the movie critic is the story. The logline details are being kept in a suitcase. That's a weird way of phrasing it, but okay. But sources describe the story as being set in the late 1970s LA with a female lead at its center. They talk about the possibility that it focuses on Pauline Kael, one of the most influential movie critics of all time. Kale, who died in 2001, was not just a critic, but also an essayist and a novelist. She was known for her pugnacious fights with editors as well as filmmakers. In the late 1970s, Kale had a very brief tenure working as a consultant for Paramount, a position she accepted at the behest of actor Warren Beatty. The timing of that Paramount job seems to coincide with the setting of the script, and the filmmaker is known to have a deep respect for Kale, making the odds of her being the subject of the film more likely. And to reiterate that, in that book, Cinema Specul- Speculation, he talked a lot about Pauline Kale and how influential he wa- she was to him and his taste in movies at the time. So I could definitely see that as the case. And it's really interesting how much his his books tie into the movies. Like, you know, you had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like a novelization that he created in tangent with that movie. And then this one almost seems to be like a precursor to this movie. It's just really interesting. And um, I'm intrigued because I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. However, I almost felt like the ending, as much as people love it, was kind of lazy. Like, it was just like, it's a really slow burn, fun slice of life, drama, comedy, comedy, drama. And then all of a sudden, Tarantino didn't know how to end a movie. So he just made a huge action set piece where everyone died or a lot of people died. And it just felt like he was falling back on his tricks. Or Nick, as you know, this going to film school, how they tell us, don't just kill everyone off at the end of your short just because you don't know how to end a short. <laughs> and everyone did that. That was it not a short. That like was that. a long. That was three hours. <laughs> that was a long. Exactly. I like that movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm worried. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm curious if it's possible that he will create a movie without any deaths. I would love there to be a movie of his without any deaths. What are you counting? They all have no, deaths. Like, I was I was imagining if there were any of his movies without deaths, and I don't think so. No, they're not. They're all like violent movies, but like relatively. Um, but Nick, how do you feel about the movie critic as a as a potential final movie for Tarantino? And are you excited? It sounds boring as hell, but I trust in Tarantino. So I'm sure it'll be very Did you like Hollywood? Yeah, I, I did. But did like that was boring? going in, you're like, oh, okay, Manson's involved in this movie. So you know, like but this is like, oh, it's about a film critic I've never heard of. And, you know, it's pretty. But no, I, I'm sure it'll be great. It's Tarantino. But subject matter itself doesn't grab me. Sure. If it, But unless, like, he adds some weird subplot. About, <laughs> I don't know what. Someone I'm actually. I'm sure it'll be good. I forgot who it was. I saw some speculation online. And I forgot what it was They about incorporating something a little bit more tarantino into it like an actual event but i forgot what it was so but here um what about do you think this is going to be his last movie do you think this is it it's very possible no i'm asking what you think nick i'm not asking if it's possible no it's very possible meaning i'm leaning towards saying yes um because it did take him a while to actually settle on another movie and I don't know. Most people, I would say no. I, I I can believe Tarantino saying that and sticking to it. I mean, I think. I mean, he we've seen him delve. He did his novelization. He did cinema speculation. He can still do see, TV if he wants. He can still do TV. He's given himself. Yeah, he's given him. He's given streaming. himself. I know what you're talking about. Even Nick. Spielberg's like, I would do a streaming show. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's the future. That just means it's you know. It's 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 an extra thing. It's in closer to, to the movies. film medium than it has been before. There you go. As far as That's storytelling, I uh I think it's different storytelling, but as far as quality, yeah, I think okay, is, is what you're meaning. I can agree with that. Um, but anyways, yeah, he even said before he's like, I could do a TV show. Like that doesn't count as a movie, so he could do that. I could see him stretching his limbs, his his legs, limbs, his <laughs> skills in other mediums like he's been doing books i can see him focusing more on books for the next few years and then transitioning into a tv show i could totally see it happening um so i think this is it 
like I said, I said it before, before, you know, before movie 10, I was like, I don't think he's doing it. I was wrong, but I think he's done at 10. I don't, I don't see him going back on it. And I might be wrong again, (laughs) but that's, that is what I see from Mr. Tarantino. Um, But before we close out, I want to know what is your favorite Tarantino movie and why? Uh, I like to say the newer ones a lot, but I'm going to go with Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown is a fun, very like layered, lots of great characters, you know, closer to Pulp Fiction type. Though I really enjoy his currents. Like, you know, I love Inglorious Bastards and Django, but Jackie Brown just plays. Inglorious Bastards, I wouldn't call it current. That movie's like almost 15 years old. Yeah, but like that's like stuff he's done in that era. Like Hateful Eight and stuff. That all feels way different than his Pulp Fiction Reservoir Dogs right. era. So That's true. And um, I think... So Jackie Brown was good. It's funny. I wouldn't call it fun, but I would call it like you're just hanging out with these people. You're just yeah. drinking a beer. Kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Smoking feels, a joint with Robert De Niro. It feels, it feels close to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where you're literally just having a beer and just and just sinking into the atmosphere of the area of the of the movie. Um, my favorite, I think, is Glor- Inglorious Bastards. Um, and I think Inglorious Bastards had to win me over quite a bit because it was after Death Proof, which was awful. I Ugh. did not like Death Proof at all. Um, by far his worst movie. I think it's by far his worst movie as well. And I remember going into Inglorious Bastards thinking, maybe I'm just not into Tarantino movies anymore. And then I watched Inglorious Bastards and I was like, eh, that was okay. Uh, I think it was 30 minutes to 45 minutes too long. And then I revisited it like two years later and I was like, no, I was fucking wrong. This movie is amazing. Um, so yeah, I think it's great. I think it's followed closely by Django in my opinion. I Django, to, I thought it was great. I have to change mine. It isn't glorious okay. bastards. I was just trying to sound more like I love his, cl- I do love, uh, very much Jackie Brown, but yeah. And glorious bastards, Christoph Waltz, um, he like introduced the world to Christoph Waltz, um, Baron Zemo. I'm forgetting the actor's name for a second. Daniel Bruhl. Daniel Bruhl and uh, Michael Fassbender. So it's very. I hard think to- what you have to do is you're thinking about a movie and just imagine Martin Scorsese sitting in a theater. And if he says cinema, then it's cinema. And if he doesn't say it, <laughs> then it's not cinema. And I think in Glorious Bastards, I can imagine him saying cinema. <laughs> that so. should be a show. It's like a five minute show. It's like a sped up version of Scorsese. And that, yeah, that's just be a review show where he just walks on and it's like this week, Scorsese reviews Cocaine Bear. And then he just walks on the screen and he's like, cinema. Not cinema. And then walks not on. cinema. <laughs> Any cinema Marvel movie, not cinema. not cinema. Yeah. Love it. Um, Kyle, just for shits and giggles, what's your favorite Tarantino movie? Uh, I was a uh, Reservoir Dog stan until Kill Bill came out. Then I was a Kill Bill mm. stan until Inglorious Bastards came out, and that is that is the ultimate for for me. I absolutely adore that film on all sorts of levels, from the uh, uh, direction and editing uh, to the uh, stories that they choose to follow, all the way up to and including the ridiculous amount of violence, which I am always a fan of uh violence against uh the bad guys from World War II. So I I was quite happy to watch the Bear Jew beat the shit out of a Nazi. That that was fun. I love I love Inglorious Bastards. I will say I've always been a little bit perplexed by one scene in particular. Um with Christoph Waltz's character, why did he kill Diane Kruger if he was just going to just let them go? And how much of it is just like he was just he was crazy and he yeah, still I'm wanted revenge to, on being like, you know, trying to oh, trick. these people tried to yeah, trick me. I'm gonna, I think so is what you. it is. It was just it just felt it, it, in the in the moment it felt bad, but it felt even worse when he was just like, ah, we're just going to go ahead and go through with it. It's fine. It was, was just it, I always took it as kind, kind of that where it's like, well, she's a she's a backstabbing little little bitch. She betrayed her though, own people, even though he was willing to, to do the same. He was only willing to do the same once it became apparent that you know there there was an out there was a a, a chance stuff was not going to go the way uh hitler had had wanted it uh so he was willing to jump jump ship but he was always always the guy that 
he wasn't necessarily a, a, tr a true believer in the cause, but he was a true believer in the process. And, right. and the, the he was good at what he did. The setup, yeah, and he was he was yeah. an expert at, at what he did. Yeah, right, I also well, think, I think it's just more or like I don't know. It's more loose ends. You can't go to the America and be like, hey, this person's saying shit about me. In addition to oh, that's a good point. What's his face? Rain. Kyle, okay, I want to call him Kylo Rain, but I know that's not. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Well, uh, I think that wraps it up for this episode of Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Mm -hmm. Everyone, thank you Picard so much. Picard report. Good. <laughs> there. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode, and hopefully you enjoyed our take, or my take, on Shazam and the news in this past week. Kyle, thank you so much again for producing for us. And uh, once again, this is not the only series or show that you can watch here on Genreverse. We have Daily Cup of Genre. We have... Uh, genre shots marvel multiverse mayhem the cantina uh we have damn it hold oh, don't tell me don't tell me oh avr duh anime versal reviews and avr squared those are are the main ones here at genreverse um that you should check out so nick I can be found at Geeky Nick Doll on Twitter and on Instagram at Geeky Nick Doll. Is Jammer gone? Looks it looks like Jammer is just frozen. So it was good good job uh, my, catching catching that. Oh, hey, you're back. Hear you. Sort of. I'm back. I can hear you. There we go. I said where I was at. <laughs> okay, where Kyle. At? <laughs> where, where can oh. people find you, Kyle? At that Kamalon on Twitter and and here on uh, doing anime stuff on the genreverse. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Cerner Writer as well as on TikTok at AJ Cerner Writer. And don't forget to check out my books at MahiaBooks.com. That's M-A-G-I-A Books.com. Check out City of Mages there. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see y'all next week when we cover another thing. I don't know what's coming out. Maybe Tetris. What's on the list. Maybe Ooh. not. I don't know. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Bye-bye. Don't get it on you. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished.